Welcome to Casting Nets. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudot. I'm joined with Pastor Will Harley. Hello. And if you're looking uh, at this, you're seeing one is dressed as a pastor, one is dressed not as a pastor. I'll let you decide wear. which one. <laughs> <laughs> We're both dressed like pastors because what we wear doesn't make a, a pastor, it's the calling that makes us a pastor. That was the cross, the call from the Lord. Who died on the cross makes us pastors. There you go. Um, so we are together again, looking at the book of James together. Uh, and as we do so, we're going to talk about real life and living faith today. James is uh, that's a good theme for the book of James. And as we do so, uh, we're in chapter two. So if you're before we get to the music and you want to get out your Bibles to chapter two of, of James, that would be awesome. As we talk about our disclaimer, Will, are you willing to do the disclaimer I can. today? Um, so, uh, Just so you know, it's two pastors who are talking things through as we go through the book of James. Um, We do not intend to uh, give you any triggers or intend to to make you angry in any way. But um, if we do say something that does upset you, by all means, you can pause it, settle down or fast forward a little bit and uh, catch uh, after we've moved beyond that particular topic. if you'd like to engage with us, because it's the beginning of a conversation, you can find us at our uh, congregations that we have been called to serve. You can find me at St. John Maribel. You can find Pastor Rudot at Emmanuel and Shirley. And we'd love to have an, a conversation with you and to carry this conversation on into um, other facets of our life. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can get us at our Facebook page, Casting Nets on Facebook as well as uh, send us an email, castingnetspod at gmail.com, and we'll be more than happy to answer and continue the conversation through those mediums as well. I think that's about where we're at, right? Oh, give us some stars, some likes. If you're listening to us on podcast, um, you know, the more likes that we get, the the way the algorithms work, the higher we, we go in our tiers for uh, – um, people to find us when they're searching for topics. And so we would very much like to be, uh, we would love to be a leader in in religious speak um, and religious topics there on Apple Podcasts. That would be kind of neat to to kind of get our way up there and, and have people really able to find some good, wholesome answers to questions in life. I think that's about where we're at. Welcome back. We had a question yeah. on there. Why don't you take that one? Because that was your um, my comment. Your comment about James being a sermon more yeah. than a letter. So could you, the question was, what makes James written like a sermon for those so, who are un, unfamiliar with sermonizing? 
Yeah. So what, what makes James more of a sermon is um, from the very onset of the letter, he is very personal. So th- this is a, a, he, he says he's dealing with a group of people, but he is, he is from the very onset, he is dealing with them on a very personal level uh, as a pastor to his people. Um, and as he goes through the entirety of his letter, he's going to be bringing out some things that are very specific uh, without calling out maybe a specific congregation. So it makes us believe that um, he he's very intimately known to the people. The way he speaks is intimately known to the people um, and that he himself is, is more uh, in line with the people that he is talking with. Um, it's very different from a letter in the sense where <clears throat> when he ends the letter, or when the, uh, a letter is ended, it's usually ended with a sign, you know, I so-and-so have written this. Um, and so it's more of this was, has the flavor of this was a, a conversation he was having. Um, this was a sermon that he was giving um, that the, the Holy Spirit preserved for the church. That's that, That's why, you know, it said more as this is a sermon than a letter. Uh, and that if we approach it that way, you know, it's approached as it doesn't have all of the pieces that you may have in a letter where, where you have, here's why I'm doing this writing. Here's where I'm going with this writing. Um, here's, you know, some things for backup information of why I'm writing what I'm writing. Whereas when you go to letters from Paul and you go to letters from Peter, that's kind of the flow. Um, you have here, I'm jumping right on in because this has been a continued conversation that we've had. And so he continues that conversation and, and in a sermon way. So hopefully that answers the question. I don't know if it did. That's my opinion. Sure. And it's shared by other people smarter than me. (laughs) So where are we going today? We are in chapter two, verse 14. So I am going to move that over so that we can look at the nice uh, screen. And uh, here we are uh, in chapter 2, starting at verse 14, and we'll read verses 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that they have faith but has no works? Such faith cannot save him, can it? If a brother or sister needs clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you tells him, go in peace, keep warm, and eat well, but does not give them what their body needs, what good is it? So also, such faith, if it is alone and has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Yeah, so we have uh, an interesting section here, and and I appreciate how um, I appreciate how the EHV translates this because it, in in Greek it is challenging on um, this section because you don't have necessarily in Greek um, a faith such or such faith. You don't you don't get those words. Um, you have more the definitive the faith. So he's really he's really saying, okay, there is faith, um, but the faith is if you if you have faith in Christ, faith in Christ, Christ being the object, will have results. It it will be something will be the fruit of that, and he's saying you may have faith, you may have the faith that you say I have the faith, but it's not in 
Christ, therefore it has no fruit. There, there's nothing to, to, nothing to produce. It, it's, there, you're not being supplied anything so that you can produce anything. Um, so this is a really, cha- and so I, I like how the EHV kind of gives us the, the two different um, flavors. So, because when you're translating it from Greek, it's, it, you're like, okay, the faith, the faith, the faith. Well, is it the same faith? Well, no, it's not. It's, it, it, it sets on what's the object of it. And I do like how James doesn't say if someone has faith, it's someone says they have faith. So here is the, um, you're already, you're already away from Paul in Galatians where he's talking about the power of how you are, how you come to faith and, and where does that come from? That the come from your decision or your works? No, it comes from the, is a gift of God, not by anything that you do because then it wouldn't be a gift and all of those things where James is more talking about how as the Christian is living their life, now they say they have faith, but the reality might be different. And so James is, is asking these penetrating questions to get us to think. We, we might get very comfortable in our, our spiritual walk, in our uh, living our faith, that we forget that how our faith lives is how it is, uh, um, is, is showing itself. It, it, and, I got to clarify it because I didn't say that quite white when I say how our faith lives. Our faith lives because it's fed through the means of grace, but our faith expresses itself. It it, right. it shows itself um, and it exercises itself. It's like a muscle uh, in doing something. And if it's not exercising, if it's not engaged, uh, w- not just with the word of God, but also in life, then it it's going to, it's going to fade and die. So here's one of those questions that, that rise up. When you when you start dealing with verse fourteen, and and, it, and maybe the question rises up more when you deal with it in in the framework of the uh, of the Greek, and maybe that's why I asked the question. But but I think you can maybe get a flavor of it here in in the way that it's said in the EHV, which is very appropriate. But the the idea of faith cannot save, and and really in the in the in in the Greek, it is very simple. It is un faith. To save him is unable. So, and my question is, you know, is is James highlighting that that saying you have faith, saying that you are a believer, faith doesn't save, the object saves. Is that what he's saying? That that faith isn't this this concept of faith, or you just got to have faith, or you just got to believe, or or doesn't matter. Faith doesn't save. Christ saves. And it's in him alone. You know, is that kind of what he's saying in, in that flavor? And, and like I said, maybe it's a, maybe it's just a, a foolish question on my part, but, but it, it, it almost gets, it almost brings that out. I, I do like the question of, it's not just the act of believing, but what your faith is in, it's in Christ. And it also, because it is in Christ, it is actively engaged in the world. It's it's helping your neighbor. It's loving your neighbor. It has a completely different worldview now because God has given you that worldview. Um, so I, I see that point of faith isn't just an intellectual exercise. It isn't just something that you think about. It is actually, it changes who you are. And it and because it has changed you who you are, you live differently. But but it, I think it even goes beyond that. I mean, it, faith only changes who you are because it's receiving from the object. 
faith itself, it, it, faith itself has no saving concept. Faith is only a receiving organ, and, and according mm-hmm. to the confessions. Um, faith is a receiving organ. So if faith is a receiving organ, what is it receiving? From what? From whom? And so faith doesn't save. It is Christ who is the the one who 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 gives that faith and contains that faith who saves, right? So yes. yeah. faith in Christ saves. Faith in your alarm clock doesn't. <laughs> faith in in your faith in your friend faith in your spouse faith in those don't faith in your church doesn't save faith in christ saves and and where does it come from it comes from christ when it comes from christ it's fed in christ once it's fed in christ it produces as as god gives uh, opportunity for it to produce and then you see it And, and so i think it comes back down to that he's saying you can say all you want but it means nothing because the only time it means something is when it's in Christ. And then if it's in Christ, it's going to have an action. Something is going to be with it. Uh, it, it what is the old idiom? Uh, it's by faith alone, but faith is never alone. Is, is that yep. an appropriate time yeah, for I that agree. idiom? Yep. <laughs> so. here's, a, here's a question for you, uh, Will, and for our listeners as well. Can we think of opportunities or uh, occasions where f- Christians make their faith and and intellectual exercise like it has no longer uh what happens what does a christian do that leads them to think in in your opinion maybe two things that a christian does that leads them away from having a faith being a living thing that is fed through the word and that also is active in the world what leads them from that to faith just being well this is something that i know um I would actually highlight, I, w- I was listening to l- yesterday's uh, Ben Shapiro um, show uh, on the Daily Wire. And I'm not promoting Daily Wire. I'm just saying I was listening to it. And and in his, um, he is a devout Jewish man. He does not believe in Jesus Christ. He does not believe in um, him as Lord and Savior or in the triune God. He, is, he believes what the, the Jewish tradition is. Um, but he had said in his show <clears throat> that his firm belief, and this was actually answered this question um, in, I think, in an inappropriate way. Um, he said, faith is not having someone act on us and then we are brought to belief. But he said it, it is us making a conscious effort to surround ourselves with the things that we know are better until we believe them. And I thought to myself, that's completely wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that that that's that's what you're saying is 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 now become an intellectual exercise. I will continue to do this until I convince myself that I'm going to that I believe this. And and really what the scriptures say is there's there's no way you will ever convince yourself of spiritual things because you're not spiritual unless God acts on you, unless God supplies that heart and mind of his spirit himself, unless he changes you and gives to you the very organ to receive what he gives. And and so um, faith does have an intellectual component in the sense that um, we, we need to understand the words that are spoken. We need to be able to, to follow the course of what is being given. Um, But if you're saying I need to understand it and be able to rationalize it, and that's not faith at all. And and interestingly enough, I, I think as people, 
we understand it when it's outside of the framework of faith. I love somebody. Why do you love them? I don't know. I just, I just love them. Well, it's not reasonable, right? I, I can't explain it to you. It's just, I do. Um, we can, we can say those things outside of the framework of religion. And then once we come into the framework of religion and we say, okay, well, faith, belief, trust, um, <clears throat> these are things that our Lord builds into you and they're, they're not explainable necessarily, but I understand that he gives them to me. Oh no, no, you can't do that. I have to have this knowledge of how it works and how to decompartmentalize it and how to place it in its nice little boxes when I'm done. And yeah, so it's, it's more of a, less of an intellectual thing in that endeavor. I don't know. What about for you? I mean, how, how do you think that we do it in the church? I, I think, and, and this is speaking in general terms, is if you are not engaged in the life of the church, receiving the means of grace, uh, then you're, it's more, you become more and more like, I believe in God or just have faith in God or the things that you are absorbing in. If you're listening to, uh, or watching religious content that isn't of your confession, you're going to start start thinking that it's just all about God and not so much about Jesus. And why is it that we do the things that we do because of Jesus? Why do we show love to our neighbor because of Jesus? Why do we put up with our neighbor's foibles and their Star Trek uh, um, things? Is because of Jesus. See how see what I did there. We do put we do put up with people who like Star Trek because of Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> That's the Even though reason. Jesus is not in Star Trek, because, <laughs> no. Actually, he is. Uh, he's in the original series episodes. They have a reference to the Son of God. Oh well, there's something for that one episode. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and and I, I can I just piggyback off of, and maybe this is a soapbox of mine. But can I just piggyback off of what you said? Because I, we hear that in the church so often these days, right? Um, God speak. And and it's everything is God, 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 God. And, and in fact, when when we say, you know, we're going to go out and share our faith, when we go out and we, we you know, you try to encourage your people, let's talk about um, what it is that we believe. It's always, do you, you know, the leading question, well, you just ask them, do you believe in God? You know, and and it's it's this God speak that that surrounds and permeates um, modern religion today, and mm-hmm. and you know what? It it's it's not offensive um, to to say God to say I believe in God. That's not an offensive thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Muslim can say that, the Jew can say that, the uh, to some extent a Hindu can say that, but to to say to them to say to somebody. Who is Jesus? Do you believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Do you, do you believe Jesus is God? Um, and, and I think we, and we move it from the intellectual sphere and we move it into the sphere of our heart um, in our conversation when we start saying, it, it's not just God speak. It's, it is Jesus speak. Um, the Father points to the Son. The Spirit points to the Son. Um, when you speak of Jesus, it is by the Spirit. You're giving him all credit because you're speaking of Jesus. When you speak of Jesus, God himself said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Speak of Jesus. God is well pleased. The Father is well pleased. You're speaking of the son. Um, why are we so intellectually backwards and in saying, well, let's just talk about God because we can approach everybody. I'm not, I don't want to approach everybody. I want Christ to approach them. 
and 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 he can only he can only do that. Are we ready to There's get my back soapbox. to that's my yeah. soapbox? I'm sorry. Let's get back to James uh, verses 18 and 19. It's a good conversation, but uh, let's keep going here. Uh, and I read 18 already, but I'm going to read it again. So. Verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, good for you. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I like how James is going to separate that you can't do anything outside of the faith that has worked in you through the work of the Holy Spirit. This is... you. It's impossible for you to to have any kind of spirituality outside of God working in you first, and uh, so He just shuts that shuts that all down. Um, that you can have somehow you can have works, and then that produces faith, which is what you were saying with Ben Shapiro before. Like you got to do all these things, expose yourself to all the stuff, and then eventually faith comes. Well, and 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 interestingly enough, he brings in the demons, and he says, you know, they. I mean, and you could go back and go through in the entire ministry of Jesus and see how the demons knew exactly who he was. And that didn't help them. <laughs> what, what do you have to do with us, son of man, right? Or son of God. Um, they understood when, when confronted with the son of God, their time is done. Their, their days are numbered. Um, and yet that didn't, that, that, that didn't change where they were going and and how that was going to going to work and be affected by them. They, they just didn't, it it didn't click in them and it never would because, and this is backtracking maybe a little bit, but mankind is the pinnacle of God's creation. Mankind is the one that God had, has given and poured out his gifts. Um, Not to the angels, not to the created beasts, but to man, they were all, everything else, it was created for the benefit and the service of man. And that, that seems egotistical, and I don't mean it to be egotistical. It is just, it is what the Lord has given. You know, what is man that the son of man, that God would would care about him? And the, the answer is, it's the he's the pinnacle of his creation. And, and he loves them as his children. And so he gives everything for them. Um, and so it is not just a, a head knowledge of, I know who this God guy is, or I know who this Jesus guy is, but it, it is, have, have you had him reach into your life and give to you himself? And, and demons, they know him. They've never had that. You know, yeah. Jesus stood and said, I saw Satan cast from heaven. And and he did not say it. I was really sorry to see that. And it was no. I I saw him cast from heaven, and um, that was what needed to happen. Uh, I I just yeah. In making making faith an intellectual process is 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 a dangerous and slippery slope. And yet we do it as pastors all the time. We do this as pastors all the time because it is our job to in some ways make this an intellectual practice, right? We, we translate, we look at the words, we try to figure it out so that we can preach it. <laughs> um, and, and so it can very easily become that intellectual practice. Anyway. Yeah. All right. I'm ready to move on. Any other yeah. questions on 
on this, we've established that Will Harley is a Sith Lord, and if he's a Sith Lord, he doesn't care if he's outnumbered, because he's like Darth Vader entering onto the Reliance ship, where they have all their blasters, and he has his red lightsaber. Yeah, and my hands. And his hands. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My next, my theme song. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Back to James. We're in, uh, let's look at verses 20. Actually, can I just make one comment? You know, and we, we need to realize this. Darth Vader is the best redemptive story. I'm just saying. I'm. I, it is. I, I am fine with being associated with Darth Vader. It is the best redemptive story. And there's my savior. My savior has redeemed me. A dark and horrible individual. <laughs> so yes, turned around at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> all, all right. right. What First, have you allowed this to come to? <laughs> it's it's all my fault. I see. I get that. I get where you're going. Versus. Uh, 20 to 24. But do you want proof, you mindless person, that such faith without works is dead? Wasn't Abraham our father shown to be righteous by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? You see that his faith was working together with his works, and by his works his faith was shown to be complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. He was also called God's friend. You see that a person is shown to be righteous by works and not by faith alone. That's a, probably the one word that really triggers Lutherans, verse 24. They're shown to be righteous? By works alone. Yeah. And not by faith alone. But, but you know, and, and here is... And, so here's why it's the trigger because because the the five pinnacles of the Reformation right and one of them is by faith alone, um, by grace alone, by faith alone, through Scripture alone, um, you know, uh, through Christ alone, all to the glory of God alone. Um, and so we look at them, we say, okay, it's by faith, it's by faith, it's by faith, and we 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 always we fight those battles in the Lutheran church because we, we really want people to recognize that this is not a self-righteousness. This is not something that you can earn. This is not something that you can, that you can uh, grasp for yourself. It is something that is given. And so we highlight faith and that is good. And there's a place for that, but there's a place for what James is saying. And, and James uh, and the way that the EHV translates it is, is so very appropriate and so very beautiful uh, in, in its, in its translation, because what is he saying? James is saying, your faith, your righteousness that is given to you by Christ is shown. He's not saying it is earned. He's not saying that it is that that you have um, grasped it. He says it is shown. That means people can see it in the world by what you do. It, how much? How much more beauty can you? <laughs> I mean. He's not saying, okay, you've worked for it, and that's now you have faith. He says, no, you you have faith. You, it's been given to you. It's yours. But but people can't see that unless it's shown in what it's producing. And it's just beautiful. That That is, I don't know if you can get more Lutheran than that. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people say the Lutheran church sits up there in their ivory towers and does absolutely nothing, but... 
That's not what Lutheran theology is. Lutheran theology, I mean, even at its very, very core, um, the Catholic Church hated Luther because he's like, well, you're not telling them to do anything. And Luther says they're freed in Christ. They will do it because God yeah. has given them the ability and they're free too. And yeah, so there's no, there's no church, t- ecclesiastical, ecclesiastical taskmaster behind them. Yeah. Or and there's no carrot being consistently waved in front of them. You got to do this first before. Um, and, but it is always from within. It's shown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you are, because it, it, it comes back down to the very words of, of uh, Jesus in Matthew 5, um, as well as, as the words of, of the Spirit as he speaks uh, in Leviticus uh, 19. Be holy. Be holy. Um, and to the sinful nature, that's a command that is unable to be obtained, right? Uh, in, in Matthew 5, it's the uh, Jesus says, be perfect. Um, it is something that can't be obtained. But in the Lord, through the Lord, you are holy. Through the Lord, you are perfect. And, and so you get to live that. What does it mean that I'm holy? What does it mean that I'm perfect? What is produced in those things? Um, go to the, the Sermon on the Mount and you can see what it produces. Right? Jesus talks about it. <laughs> And from chapters five to seven, you know, what does a holy life look like? There it is. <laughs> um, you know, what, what does it mean to to be sanctified and set apart and for what? Um, here it is. The, this, this is what it is. It, it means that you are active, um, maybe in ways that you didn't even realize yet. Um, you're still active. Um, and it, it's interesting that he uses Abraham because in Genesis you have plenty of opportunities where Abraham does things that are not showing that he is righteous or that he has he has faith. Right? He tries I'm to pawn off his wife, and it, so it's it's good for us that James says, well, he doesn't do it all the time, but in the time when he was sacrificing his son Isaac, that was showing his faith. There are other times when he uh, um, was. Um, how, how shall we? It was sinning, obviously. So when he tries to pawn off his his wife as his sister, um, those kinds of things, where he, he is listens to his wife and sleeps with her handmaiden. Yeah. So yeah, he does. Right. Again, listens to his wife and sends her away. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's a that's a good a good reminder to us why James doesn't mention the entirety of Abraham's life, because then we would, we would get the wrong impression that, well, if you're not living like a Christian, then therefore you aren't a Christian, which would be uh, the danger of when we're talking about the life of sanctification, that we're looking for proof of justification in your life of sanctification. But I also think that that is the the go-to illustration. Um, And I think James, as he's preaching this sermon, um, because I still stand behind that this is a sermon that he's preaching. You know, his people are thinking, well, that that was the greatest act of um, faith, you could say. that That's the greatest act of faith that Abraham did, that he trusted, he offered, was willing to offer his son. He, you know, and, and so what is James refocusing? Is it not the he? <laughs> It's the one behind him, and and it's now seen through these actions. Um, it was the Lord who has been faithful, and and He was faithful to keep His promises, and and so the promise remained, and and Abraham lived in it. He lived in the promise. 
Uh, Luther has this to say about this section, which is not in the Confessions. It's just from Luther says. This is just quoting Luther from, I'm not sure if it's from a sermon or from his table talks, but he says this, which is kind of in the same, which is what we're talking about right now. He says, fruits, fruits do not make the tree, but a tree is known by its fruits. Now, just as a tree that does not bear any fruit is wood, a piece of hypocrisy that is similar to a tree, so faith is a piece of hypocrisy if it does not produce works. James wants faith to justify its genuineness by works. Not that man is justified before God by works, but that the faith which justifies before God is recognized by the witness of its works. We must therefore well understand his statement, was now Abraham our father justified by works? That's James 2 verse 21. But Romans 4 verse 2 expressly contradicts this. If Abraham were justified by works, he, uh, he hath whereof up to glory, but not before God. However, James speaks of the works of faith. He says that these manifest and show faith, not that they make it or anyone is justified by them. This appears from the text for he teaches that a person should show his faith by the good works which he does towards his brother and sister who are in need. It is therefore a different matter to speak of faith and its power, as Paul does, and on the other hand, to speak of faith and its manifestation and demonstration, as James does. Yeah, and and that is absolutely correct. I, I think, you know, as Luther got older, he understood James had a different focus than what Paul does when he talks about it. And, and, and this actually comes what Luther says here, I think, plays into what is is on the chat for a question. Um, and so the question that was given on the chat, so are you saying if someone says that they have faith in Jesus but live opposite, they don't really have faith? It's only head knowledge, not heart knowledge. And I think that's, that's something that um, we really need. We probably should talk about just, just briefly because I think Luther would say, yeah. Uh, if if you say you have faith, but there's there's no fruit, you're just this piece of wood. This is hypocrisy. This is you're really not a Christian. Um, now, the reason why I think we need to talk about this is because we have to be very careful. And and please chime in at any time, Dave, um, as you 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 see fit. I, this, I, I, go ahead. I just want to say that we got to be very careful of what we judge, what is fruit. And and we can talk about that in a little bit, but what do you got? Well, I was just saying, I just got done explaining how uh, James doesn't use the entire life of, of Abraham right. and says, look at all of Abraham to see, because Abraham's life was filled with sin. And just because Abraham sinned doesn't necessarily mean he didn't have faith. It just means that you're in dangerous territory if you're not living the faith that God is putting in you, if that faith isn't exercising, if it isn't because um, God caused that faith to, to be there and he motivates that faith to do things. And the only thing that doesn't, is standing in faith's way is you're, you and your sinful nature saying, no, God, you gave me these opportunities to love my neighbor. You gave me these opportunities to love you and I am choosing not to. So that's a dangerous place to be. Uh, that's the place of the... Uh, the hip, hypocrite and where where that hypocrite happens or when the hypocrisy happens when does faith when is faith lost is not our um, purview to to ascertain when this happens we just know don't go there don't go in that position where you are rejecting the faith that is planted inside of you well and and I would also I would add to that um, I'm in agreement with that we can't read their heart but I I would go and say if you have a person who says I am a Christian 
Okay. If you, if you have a person who says I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, but they are living their entire life, avoiding that, which a Christian would embrace. I would say by their, like James, I would say by their actions, I would doubt they are a Christian on the flip side. And this comes back down to the bearing of fruit. And this is where Abraham comes in. Just because you're a tree that doesn't bear the greatest, the most beautiful, the most ripe pieces of fruit does not mean that you're not a tree bearing fruit. And the best example I can give is when I was in winter uh, in South Dakota, I planted peach trees and it got to be two years and they're supposed to get peaches and, and two years came and they had no peaches and I was out mowing on the third year. And then I was, as I'm mowing around these peach trees, I noticed right near the center there was this ugly, shriveled, horrible-looking peach that was hanging from the tree. And I got so excited. I ran in and I told my I was like, we have peaches. The tree is actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. And she came out and she looked at it and she says, that is a horrible, ugly thing. And I said, I know. <laughs> it's, it is a horrible, ugly thing. But it's fruit. It's fruit, Right. Um, and so we got to be really, really careful when we are when we're saying these things to say, okay, I'm not going to judge them by necessarily everything they do, but if if you see somebody's life that nothing in it is something that would reflect what they say they believe, bunch of red flags are starting to go up in my head, and the red flags are saying that this is this is not what a Christian would desire to do. Now. If you have someone who's struggling and some of the things in their life are red flags, but there's others that are like, no, that's what a Christian would do. No, you know, this is a smoldering wick. This is a, a broken reed or a bent reed. And and so I take some time. I, I think that's all I'm, I'm trying to say on that one. Yeah. And I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I think there's always that it's uh throughout history. There's always been the pendulum swinging uh, of getting your doctrine right getting everything intellectually right and getting your life right. And we always overcompensate both directions. So throughout history, there's always uh, uh, where, where they would focus on doctrine so much that they wouldn't focus on the Christian life. And then there would be a response to that. And the response would be like, let's focus on deeds, not creeds and all of that. And then without and neglecting the creeds, which is dangerous. And so uh, it swings back and forth, whether it's uh, um pietism, whether it's, um, um, revivalism, yeah, revivalism, um, in, uh, the Asbury was that the college of Asbury that was recently where they had supposedly a revival, uh, this last month where this, there was a college, it's a Christian college. They had a devotion or a chapel and one individual stayed after chapel and they were, there was, Christians being Christians, they were consoling and comforting them, but then it turned into more worship, which then turned into, we're going to have worship all the time, which then turned into, uh, we're going to, It's they thought it was like a revival, like another greater awakening, and churches from the nearby started bringing members in, and for 10 days they would always have, they would have this constant worship, and they thought this was, you know, this great, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is, is happening, and then the college says, well, after 10 days, okay, that's enough. Uh, we got to move on. And then all of a sudden, this great revival thing that they were thinking it was organic, which was never really organic in the in the first place. If you see how the churches were bringing in members so that the, the, the building would be full. 
it was never really organic in the first place was shut down in a non-organic way. Um, anyway, but it's, it's all part of this, the human nature desiring, um, to find life outside of the means of grace, which produces faith, which produces the Christian life, which does produce fruit, whether it's big fruit or small fruit, it's still fruit. And it is still an act of God working on the individual's heart. Well, and and I I think this is throughout history, you know, you've had those, you have the mysticisms, you have the, the, the pietism, which you said, where the pietism looked at my personal walk with faith over and above what the church can offer me. You have revivalism, which is this, this idea of let's let's get a fire lit under people, let's get them out there and do active things and 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 things of that nature, and we fail to realize that that this really the the pendulum that you were mentioning needs to stop in the middle, and the and the stopping in the middle is God. God, when He works faith into our hearts, brings us into a community. He brings us into a family. He brings us into a priesthood, um, and and it, go back into the Old Testament. Go back and listen to our podcast on Leviticus. That family offers with each other, shares with each other that which which gives life and makes them and preserves them as this family. But that doesn't stop there because it goes out from there. And and so you have that pendulum stopping in the middle, like you said, where where you have the means of grace given in the divine service, the means of grace given in, in what God continues to give and offer to us through the community of believers then branching out from that community of believers into a world that is so completely opposite of what we are. Um, and, and, and maybe you're starting to change a little bit in this world because we saw, we, we do see, and maybe this is the struggle that people have is they see people who, who disavow Christ, people who shun religion and they act better than people who are in faith. Um, and yeah, they, they, they do. Um, but that doesn't make them better. It doesn't make them, oh, they're going to go to heaven because, look, they did some earthly thing. Um, because the earthly thing is supposed to be flowing from a, a different source. Um, and so are they, so you got to go deeper. So you ask the question, are they doing those good earthly things because they're afraid? Are they doing those good earthly things because they feel guilty? Are they doing those good earthly things because, because um, they want or are those good earthly things flowing from a good and gracious savior who has already given them everything? You always got to go deeper into the question than just what's on the surface. And and James is doing that. And he does do that in the last two verses of the book of James. So if you wouldn't mind, we'll just close off our podcast looking at the last two verses. In James chapter two. It's not the last verses of the book of James. Oh, I'm sorry. I misspoke. (laughs) That's okay. Last two verses of chapter two. In the same way, wasn't Ahab the prostitute shown to be righteous by works when she welcomed the spies and sent them out another way? For just as the body without breath is dead, so also faith without works is dead. There you Rahab. go. Rahab. Couldn't he have it? found somebody else other than Rahab? Might someone I don't know. ask? She is, uh, she's in the line of Christ. She is redeemed. She is... Uh, she is one who, through fear, uh, became afraid of the punishment of the Lord and then was brought to the promises of God's people that he gives and became one of them uh, through his working. What better example can you have? 
And James, he, he, I think he intentionally highlights her past life to show the stark difference from it. Um, I mean, if you go back and you want to go back and look up Rahab, you're going to go back and you're going to see a woman who, yeah, she was a prostitute, but she put that behind her and, and she remained a part of Israel. She got married into the line of Judah. Um, and so that life is now left and there's that 180, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what she couldn't have before she now has what was not forgiven and she maybe felt shame of now was removed from her. And she is a part of the community uh, of, of the Lord. And so much so that she is part of the blessing that will bless all nations and all people as the Lord himself sends himself into the world. I don't know if you can get a better example. I mean, Abraham's good, but yeah. (laughs) Rahab is definitely an example of someone who had a a certain profession and then by the activity of God, now she's different. Now she's completely different. Now when the spies come in to see her, uh, however they got to her house, of course the Lord, let it behind the scenes, but she reminded them or she told them, yeah, we know exactly, we've heard about you guys. Uh, and like you said, she was afraid for her own life. She wanted to spare her own family. But then this wonderful thing about her uh, saying no to her own people, saying no to everything that she was familiar with and embracing the unfamiliar, embracing uh, something that is completely foreign to her because it is the right thing, because this is the true God because she has fear, not in the f- afraid, but fear in the awareness, awareness that this is the true God. This is the, the God who saves his people, who just led them out of Egypt and is going to give them this land. Um, so a beautiful picture of, of faith from its beginnings to its fruit. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where, where she even recognizes when, when the, the spies are going to leave, right? She, she, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I can't, I can't save my family on my own. And, and she, she seeks out from the Lord who saves his people, a promise from that very Lord, right? Uh, what faith um, given to her by that God? I have seen, I've seen the faithfulness of your God. I've seen what he is willing to do and has done for his people. Um, and, and so when he speaks, when he gives that promise, when his, and here's the beautiful part, when that promise is shared with me by his people, maybe that's even a better, when, when his people are living that promise into their, into the world and he, they share that promise, then I, then I can take full advantage of that. And so when the, when the, it, it, it is a beautiful occurrence when the spies give to her, yep, we'll do this for you. Yeah, it, it, they're speaking for God. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is jo- uh, if you're interested. Hopefully, you are interested. Joshua chapter two, where the spies are also in in and them themselves showing their faith by what they say and what they do, the promise that they give her. In chapter two, verse fourteen, they say, "Then when the Lord gives us the land, we will show mercy and faithfulness to you." So right. it's just just. Um, promise of we're going to take care of you. We're going to watch out for you. Just as she reaches out to them and saying, um, I'm, I'm giving up everything. You, you're the truth. Your Lord is the, is the Lord I want to, to serve and to love. 
an all an activity done by God, not an activity that she does first before God justifies her. And then, and then the opportunity of the community to share the promise with her and, and to keep that promise with her, which mm-hmm. is, is just, um, I mean, what a beautiful example of living an active and working faith um, and a savior who saves um, you have, you have a savior who has promised his people a land. You have savior who has promised them that they are going to be in it. You have a woman who recognizes the faithfulness of the savior and is brought to the gospel of recognizing when he promises it will happen. And, and so she rests on it. And uh, being a prostitute did not stop the Lord from bringing her into his family and making her a part of the ultimate promise of the one who will come, um, God in flesh for you, um, that he will live for you just as he promised, that he would die for you just as he promised, that he would rise for you just as he promised, and that he would be the vine and you would be the branches and that you would bear fruit just as he promised. So with that, that? <laughs> yeah, with that, we thank you for joining us for our online Bible study for uh, James chapter 2. Join us next week as we tackle James chapter 3. Until then, live your real life, living faith, living in Christ. <laughs>